The city of Prague has about 30 working breweries, serving a population of around 1.3 million. That's one brewery for every 42,000 inhabitants. Contrast that to, say, London, which has 80 breweries, but 8.5 million people, so one brewery serves every 106,000 people. So when it comes to per capita, we're way ahead. Plus, our beers are pretty affordable, unlike London. Beer is a major part of the culture here. Czechs are really the only Slavs with a pub culture, making them in many ways more akin to Bavarians than, say, the Poles or the Russians. And the very first modern beer was invented right here in Bohemia. Now, in a city with a history as long as ours, a natural question might be, hey, what's the oldest pub in Prague? Well, it turns out that question is a bit harder to answer than you might think. In this episode, we will go on the hunt for the answer. A city is much more than just a collection of buildings. It's a location, it's a history, it's a culture, it's ideas and ideals, and a city is also, most importantly, the people in it. This is Prague Times, the podcast that takes a look at the city of Prague in the Czech Republic. With more than a thousand years of history, there's a lot to talk about. We'll talk about the past of Prague, but we'll also talk about the city as it is today, future plans for the city, and much more. It's Prague then, Prague now, and Prague later. And this is Prague Times. So when people come here, they might well be looking for beer, and because the country has such a long history, they might want to say, have a beer in the oldest pub in Prague. So which one is it? If you ask people this question, one answer you might get is the brewery and pub Ufleku. This is certainly the tourist answer, and a lot of reviews on TripAdvisor explicitly claim that this is the oldest one. Though it's become a major tourist trap in the last 30 years, Ufleku certainly does have a long and venerable history. They're famous for their 13-degree dark beer made from four kinds of malt that creates a deep, almost stout-looking brew that's much less sweet than you think it would be, and it's only 5% alcohol, so you can drink quite a few. In high season, they sell 2,000 pints a day. That's about 154 an hour, or 2.5 a minute for the 13 hours they're open each day. That's pretty impressive. Their beer can only be had here on premises. They do not bottle it. They do not sell it anywhere else. They claim to be the physically largest pub in the country. They have a bit over 700 seats spread out among eight halls inside, plus another 500 seats in their beer garden. So, yeah, it's big. 1,200 seats in all. Sure, the Hofbrauhaus in Munich has room for 1,300 drinkers, and a beer hall opened nine years ago in Berlin fits 2,500 beer guzzlers on two kilometers of benches. And in 2014, a place called Bararia H opened up in Bucharest, and they also claim to have room for 2,500 people. These two are now the biggest in Europe. So yeah, Ufleku is smaller than these three, but hey, 1,200, it's holding its own. For the record, the Matheza Beer Hall in Munich was the largest beer hall anywhere with 5,000 seats. And some people say you could actually squeeze in 7,000. But in the late 90s, it was turned into a large multiplex cinema, so it's gone. 
Ufalego's beer garden is actually quite pleasant and has some fun stuff in it. There are two cannonballs from the Thirty Years' War embedded in one wall, and on another wall there's a stylized devil. The idea is if you look at this devil after a few beers and you only see one, then it's okay to drink more. But if you see two or three, well, it's time to go home. Even though in normal times, Ufleku is jammed to the rafters with tourists, it's actually a fairly worthwhile place to visit. And yeah, they do the whole accordion thing in the evenings, and in the beer garden, the waiters come around every 10 minutes or so, offering small, tiny little shots of Slivovica that they present as if they might be gifts because they're so happy to see you, but they will charge you for them. But once things start to open up again, it might be time to pop by this ancient Czech pub before international tourism really gets back into high gear and enjoy what is one of the most famous beer spots in the country. Oh, and the food's pretty good, too. A 0.4 of their special dark beer, so a little bit less than a proper pint, is 69 crowns. It's not the worst price in town and certainly not the worst price in the city center. In September last year, they unveiled a Svietli beer, a light beer, their first new type of beer since 1843. All that's interesting, but what we really want to know is the age of the place. Ufleku opened in 1499 and has run continually since then. That is 522 years of making beer and pouring beer. It is the only brewery in Central Europe that can claim to have been making beer for more than 500 years without a break. So that's pretty darned old. Are the tourists right? Well, more investigation is needed. For longtime residents of Prague, including expats who've been here a while and feel like they're in the know, the other most common answer to what's the oldest pub in town is Uchernohovola, not far from Prague Castle in Hradčany. Technically, Uchernohovola is a hostinets. There are three main categories of beer places, a pivnica, a hospoda, or a hostinets. A pivnica is a beer hall. That means the main focus is on beer, though they'll probably also have some kind of food. Certainly beer snaps or things capiva, but also sometimes full dishes and menus. A hospoda is a bit more like the British idea of a pub. It's a place to while away the hours drinking and talking. They may also have some food, again, just like British pubs. A hostinitz is more like a tavern, where in theory the main focus is on food, though it's also on beer and other tipples. The service attitude in each place tends to differ a little bit. If you go into a pivnica or a hospoda and don't want food, just beer, nobody will raise an eyebrow. But if you go to a hostinets and only want beer, they might give you a funny look. However, these are incredibly general rules of thumb and not always an accurate indicator of the kind of place a particular establishment is, especially here in the capital. In practice, the three terms are used fairly interchangeably. So Uchernohovola bills itself as a hostinets, and they do have food, but it feels very much like a place mainly to just drink beer. A sign on the outside, however, says that it's a pivnica, so I don't really know, and I'm going to guess that no one else really does either. I've been there many times, and I can say, yeah, you might go in there for lunch, though I can't imagine anyone going there for dinner. It's not really that kind of a place. People mainly go there for their perfectly poured Velka Popovitsky Kozel beer on tap, and also Pilsner. The place sits on the street along one edge of Lorotan 
Canamiestin, near the famous Loreto, about 400 meters west of the giant gate at Prague Castle. It's on the main road to the castle, and for centuries it was a place for travelers to stop off and wet their whistle, maybe have lunch and a snack, before continuing on their way either into town or out of town. The building itself was built in 1574, and then underwent a rebuild in 1629, and the first time there's mention of any kind of a tavern there is 1726, though common wisdom in the area says that there had been something there quite a bit before that. Princess Eleanor of the Thun und Taxis family used the building for a woman's association in 1726, and that's where she mentions in her documents that there was a tavern already there. The building is actually called At St. Luke's because there's a large sign over the door that shows a relief of St. Luke, patron saint of doctors and artists, showing the Virgin Mary a picture. It's thought that the name of the pub, Ucernahovola, which means at the black ox, was some kind of a clerical error in the late 19th or early 20th century, and the name just stuck. When you go inside, it sure looks old. It's got these large, dark wooden beams and white plaster walls decorated with the family crests of all the old noble families of Bohemia. While you're sitting there and having a beer and maybe a parek, which is like a Czech bunless hot dog, you feel like the place is hundreds of years old. It's very plain, very simple, very focused. Beer, some meat. In 1905, a Mr. Benda took over the space and opened up what he considered a restaurazza. He served Pilsner and Smikov beer and also wine and put in a billiards table. But the pub as we see it today that feels so old actually only dates from 1964 or 1965. Somewhere in there, they switched from Smikov and Pilsner beer to Pilsner and Kozel, both the light and the dark. So yeah, it's old, but it's also not old at the same time. It's certainly not older than Ufleku, and so Uchernohovola cannot be the oldest pub in Prague. This is certainly a place you should pop in. It's classic with gruff servers who refill your glass automatically as you near the bottom, and the Kozel beer is excellent. And it's for a good cause. Some of the pub's profits support the Yaroslav Yezhek School for Visually Impaired Children. Okay, so it's not Uchernohovola. Well, maybe it's Upinkasu, which is very possibly the most famous pub in the whole Czech Republic. Why is it so famous? Because it was the first place in the entire world to sell a bottom-fermented lager to the public. As I said before, when we think of beer today, this is what we're thinking of. In 1842, the main brewery of the Bohemian city of Pilsen hired a new brewmaster, Josef Grohl, to improve the quality of their top fermented beer, which was famously bad throughout the region. It didn't store well and it often spoiled before it could even get to a pub. In beer-obsessed Bohemia, this Pilsen beer was a laughingstock. Now, uh, Josef Grohl was a Bavarian, <clears throat> a fact that a lot of people just kind of gloss over when telling the tale. And in Bavaria, he'd been working on improving this new technique, which was bottom-fermenting the beer. This process is also known as cool fermentation because it occurs at about 10 degrees Celsius as opposed to warm fermentation, which happens around 18 degrees Celsius. So it's fermented at a lower temperature and then it's stored in a very, very cool place, close to freezing. And that's why it's called a lager. The German word lagen means to store something. So lager is a stored beer. The origins of the much older word ale are unknown, though it might relate to old words for cider and mead, which may in turn come from an older Germanic word for the color yellow. 
Around this time, the most popular beer type in Bohemia was wheat beer or white beer and these red barley beers. But Bavarian beer makers have been playing around with this cold bottom fermentation technique for a while, and these beers were getting well regarded. But Grohl wanted to take it to the next level. Bavaria and Bohemia have similar climates, and so it was kind of a perfect opportunity for him to turn it up to 11. The Pilsen Burgers built him a brand new brewery and gave him carte blanche to do whatever he wanted. After experimenting with this and that, he ended up drying the barley malt using indirect heat in an English-style kiln and then adding the famous Saz hops to the process. On November 11th, the new beer was poured in front of an expectant crowd. No one knew what to expect. To their delight, this lovely, clear, golden liquid came out of the tap, and its kind of floral, kind of herbal, little bit bitter, little bit sweet taste was a real treat. And so the modern beer was born. Similar to the Bavarian bottom fermented beers that had been being worked on for a while, but even better thanks to the drying of the malt, the water quality in Pilsen, and the Saz hops. The foreman at the brewery, Martin Solzman, had been talking to his friend Jakub Pinkas in Prague when he was visiting all about what Grohl was up to. And Pinkas said, hey, when it's finally ready, you gotta bring some to me. They were big beer fans, the two of them. So on April 8th, 1843, Solzman put two buckets of beer on a horse cart and made the trip from Pilsen to Prague to Pincus's tailor shop on Perleva Street. They tasted it and both proclaimed that this was the best darn thing they had ever drunk. Pincus said, this is what I'm going to do with the rest of my life, closed down his tailor shop and bought the house at St. Lawrence at number 755 on Jungmann Square. He turned this into a pub, moving into the rooms upstairs. Later that year, the pub opened and began to serve this new lager from Pilsen, now already being called Pilsner, and he was in business. When things open up, go there and go downstairs and you'll see the original tap on display. And yes, there's a plaque. The new beer style took off and pretty soon that's just pretty much how everybody wanted to make beer. It was delicious, it lasted longer, it was easier to transport long distances and so markets could open up to breweries. Breweries started switching to these new bottom fermentation techniques if they could, and if they couldn't, they shut down. By 1870, there were 831 breweries in just Bohemia using the new method, and 260 breweries that couldn't manage to make the switch closed down. In 1869, laws were relaxed to allow industrial-scale beer production, and the modern beer business with the first modern beer was born. Jakob Pincus' son Otto Pincus expanded the business, buying the building next door, and he soon became a fixture on the Prague scene. Pincus' friend Salzman returned to Pilsen, where he would open up Usaltzmanu, which is considered one of the all-time classic Czech pubs. Josef Grohl worked at the Pilsner Brewery until his contract expired in April 1845, and then he went back to his hometown of Vilshoven, just about 20 kilometers northwest of Passau, not far from the Czech border, where he inherited his father's brewery. That brewery is now sadly gone, but the the Wolfestetta Brewery bought a bunch of the equipment and techniques when it shut down, and they still make a Josef Grohl Pils beer today. So, even though Upinkasu is only 178 years old, you could argue it's the oldest place anywhere in the world to continuously serve modern lager-style beer. 
A number of other places come to mind as possible candidates for the oldest. There's the very famous Uzlatoho Tigra, or At the Golden Tiger, which was a favorite haunt of pub-hopping Czech writer Bohomil Hrabo, and where, back in 1993, then-President Václav Havel took then-President Bill Clinton for an authentic pint. They are known for serving an excellent pint of Pilsner Urquell. The building's originally a Gothic house built in the 14th century, so that's certainly pretty old. It had new work done during the Renaissance and Baroque periods, and now the only Gothic part that remains is the gate over the front door. Originally, the house sign was of a garden hoe, but in the 16th century, this changed to a black lion, and in 1702, to a black walking tiger, and then the tiger got himself a gold paint job in 1713, and thus at the Golden Tiger. In a description of the city of Prague from 1816, it said that this was a beer hall, so it became a pub somewhere between 1713 and 1816. I mean, if we want to split the difference on that, that's 1764, but that date could be totally wrong. But anyway, even Ochernohovola is mentioned as a tavern before that, 1726. So, at the Golden Tiger, certainly isn't the oldest in Prague. There's my go-to spot in the city center when a tourist is visiting, and sometimes when a tourist isn't visiting, Umedvitku, or At the Bear. This is a brewery and beer hall. The brewery first opened in 1466, 33 years before Ufleku, so that seems promising. However, they stopped making beer in 1889, so there is a break in continuity. The year before that, in 1888, the composer Tchaikovsky had visited Umedvitku and proclaimed that the Czechs were, quote, immensely likable. During the First Republic, the brewery was turned into a large beer hall, which it still is today. The main hall seats about 120 people. There are more rooms with more spaces in the back and a small beer garden. It also hosted the very first cabaret in Prague, known as a Tingle Tangle. Then the communists confiscated the property in the 1950s and, as so often happened, it fell into disuse and disrepair. After the 1989 Velvet Revolution, it was restituted to the previous owner's descendants and reopened as a beer hall once again, serving 12-degree Budvar, the famous beer from Česka Budivice. They also have on tap the very rare Budvar Dark 12-degree, which is really quite delicious. Umeviku also set about trying to revitalize Czech cooking, which had been pared down and standardized of the communists. They presented an extensive menu using traditional grandma-type recipes and dishes that had fallen by the wayside because they weren't in the official communist cookbook. And I have to say, their svichkova na smetanya is probably the best I've ever had in town. And the duck is fantastic. And the boar. In fact, honestly, every dish they have is great except the goulash, strangely enough, which I don't like. Even their baked pork knee is fantastic. Tons of reconstruction work ensued, ending in 2005, transforming the place into a huge huge multi-room complex with a hotel attached, a cabaret in the back, and once again, a small brewery, billed as the smallest brewery in the entire Czech Republic. They produce the 13-degree Old Gott, which is the beer they started off making way back when, produced in very small batches every year and only available for sale in bottles from the on-site shop or on tap in the small tap room next door to the main hall. They also make X-Beer 33, a 33-degree dark beer, which they say is the strongest beer in the world. It's 11.8% alcohol, which is on par with a glass of wine. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's strong. But the microbrewer world sure likes a challenge, and there are now stronger beers out there. The Scottish company Brewdog has a 41% Sink the Bismarck and a 55% Belgian blonde ale called End of History. End of History at $780 a bottle is also the most expensive beer in the world. And another Scottish brewery called Brewmeister makes the 65% Armageddon and what is regarded as the strongest beer in the world today, their 67.5% snake venom made with peat malt, ale yeast, and champagne. A 9-ounce bottle sells for $80. I don't know if you've ever had a beer that strong, but they're usually pretty nasty and really only good as novelty items. But the X-Beer 33 is actually pretty drinkable. Umeviku says you should treat it like a digestive. It might not be the strongest beer in the world, but it is certainly the strongest in this country. So Umeviku opened up as a brewery in 1466, a bit before Ufleku, but then shut down production for a long time. The beer hall itself dates from the early 20th century between World War I and World War II. So as much as I like the place, I don't think it has the edge over Ufleku, which has been there since 1499 and not really changed much at all. There's Uthshiruji, or At the Three Roses, a microbrewery that's a tourist hotspot, but also attracts locals. It's a late 13th century building, and in 1402, a brewmaster named Benesh was granted permission to start brewing here for the nearby Dominican monastery. He had the exclusive monastic contract until the 15th century, and then they were allowed to open up the market to sell to the public. The current brewmaster, a man named Robert Magnac, makes six different types of beers, one of which is this old Dominican recipe called Monastic Special of St. Giles Number no. 4. It's a darker brew, quite hoppy with citrus and coriander notes. They also do a Vienna Red and a somewhat traditional Bohemian wheat beer in addition to the normal light and dark lagers you'll find in most pubs. So 1405, 94 years before Ufleku. Hmm, a possible candidate for sure. However, the building has undergone reconstruction quite a few times since then, and I am unable to track down if there's ever been a break in continuity in their beer production and service. Then there's Uve Vodou, a mainly subterranean place that serves Pilsner. I mean, it's pretty darn old. When the building underwent Baroque renovations in the mid-1600s, there was already an alehouse there. The building itself is pre-Hussite, dating from 1403, and the building next door was erected just a few years later. The two buildings were combined into one, with the connecting walls knocked down in the 1500s, and it's believed that in the late 1500s it became an alehouse called Ugoliasu and was given a license to brew beer in 1633 or so. And the beer is good. It wins awards and it's on several top pubs lists. The food's pretty good too, though it has become, like a lot of these places in the center, a tourist trap. Again, maybe check it out when things reopen before the tourist hordes descend again. It's actually a pretty worthwhile place. So, we can certainly trace it back to the late 1500s. That's old, but it's not older than Ufleku. Continuing our hunt for the oldest pub in Prague, we head over to Malastrana, the first part of the city to be given a town charter, and so technically the oldest part of Prague. There's Uglabitsu on Malastranska Namesti at the corner of Karmelitska, right by St. Nicholas Church and not far from the Charles Bridge. Most people would walk right past it because it is a classic tourist trap kind of a place, but it actually has a very long and somewhat interesting history. Down in the Romanesque cellars, a brewery was established and a beer hall built on top of it around 
around 1520. The then mayor of Prague, Bartholomew Glaubitz, bought it in 1665 and renamed it after himself. It chugged and glugged along until finally, falling apart from neglect, it closed in 1984. In 1998, after the revolution, it was renovated and reopened as a pub that is very much focused on the tourist trade. So again, it's old. If we disregard the 14 years it was closed and go back to its origins in 1520, that's 501 years of total operation, but Ufleku still has the upper hand. Then there's Ukrala Brabenskoho, which is also in Malastrana, not far from here. It's an underground place built in a series of stone cellars. This area was riddled with underground passages and tunnels, said to have been used by smugglers, but also people in the court, sometimes even the king, who would hang out in the tunnels and get drunk away from prying eyes. Their website claims that they opened in 1375, which means if that's true, they beat Ufleku by 124 years. However, it's hard to say. This place is now one of those spots, you know, that puts on a, quote, medieval show on Saturdays. And frankly, it's just not really geared towards locals at all. They claim that they've never shut down except for a brief period way back when, when the innkeeper beat a man to death and then dumped his body in the Devil's Canal near Kampa Island. But today, they're not open during the week. They're only open on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And Saturday is this medieval show. So I kind of feel like you got to take all this with a grain of salt. But we can certainly put it on the list. It is certainly old and has a lot of history. Mozart reportedly drank there, as did Magister Kelly, the alchemist. Giuseppe Arcimboldo, the 16th century Italian painter that painted those portraits of people that made out of fruits and vegetables, drank there. Karl Chopek drank there. And Yaroslav Hasek, the Czech writer, drank there. And one night, apparently, he kicked a picture of King Wenceslas IV off the wall and started a massive bar brawl. So if they're telling the truth, they just might be the oldest pub in Prague. I just don't know if they are. Now we come to Naslamniku, or at the Haystack. Some people think that this is the oldest beer place in Prague, but actually it opened in 1570 as a coaching inn and ale house under the name Doles, changing its name to Naslamniku in 1766. But it's a great place right on the edge of Stromovka Park on the Prague 6 side, and recently it went through a pretty comprehensive renovation and does a great job of mixing old and new. So obviously 1570 makes it younger than Ufleck, and at the Three Roses and Ukrala Brabantska home, but it's still very much worth checking out. And it's mercifully, usually pretty tourist free. The Strahov Monastery on Petschin Hill, right next to Prague Castle, started a brewery in 1142, but then this closed in 1907, and in 2000, it was renovated and reopened. But 1142, that's quite a bit older than Uvleku. And then we come to Pchevnov Monastery, past Strahov and the castle to the west, about two and a half kilometers. A brewery was founded there in 993 CE. That makes this the oldest brewery, not just in Prague, but in all of the Czech lands. That even makes them older than the Weihenstepan Abbey in the Bavarian town of Freising, just north of Munich, which was founded in 1040. But that place has never had a break in production. And so they get 981 continuous years of making beer, up to and including today. And so therefore have the record for oldest continuously operating brewery in the world. But Pchesnev was founded 
founded 47 years before that, and they made beer up until 1889 when they kind of ran out of cellar space, and then the brewery itself was actually physically demolished in 1953 when a nearby street was widened. But then a bunch of Czechs got together and opened up the St. Adalbert Pchevnov Monastic Brewery in the Old Baroque Stables in 2011, and ever since then they've been pumping out the good stuff with many of the beers hearkening back to the old recipes and styles, but with a modern sensibility. They make light and dark lagers, they make a wheat beer, a 15 degree IPA, a 16 degree wheat bock, a 17 degree dark ale, a 20 degree pale lager, and a 21 degree stout. They also do specialty and seasonal beers, so they always have something interesting on tap. Oddly, they also license a special pale lager called Praha 993, which is brewed only in the southern Korean city of Busan. Before the pandemic hit, they were planning to open up a brewery in Busan, bringing more Czech beers to the land of the morning calm. Okay, so... What is the oldest pub in Prague? I guess it kind of depends on what you mean and how particular you are about continuity. Pchevnov Monastery was first, operating for 1,028 years, but with a 122-year break in the middle of them. So that gives them a total of 906 years of operation, not continuous. Strahov had a shorter break, but if you add up all the time that they were in operation, it's only 786 years. Ukrala Brabenskoho in Malastrana has a 646-year history, pretty much unbroken if they're to be believed. Utshi Ruzhi has a 616-year history, but again, it's unclear if they've ever had a break in production or service. And Ufleku, most people's first choice, has 522 no-nonsense documented unbroken years of beer production and service. But if you're just focused on modern lagers, you can't beat Upinkasu, where the modern beer was first served just a handful of months after it was invented 178 years ago. My recommendation, when things open up again, try them all. When people come to visit, you can't go wrong taking them to any and all of these places. Maybe debate which one is actually the oldest one over a pint or two or three. You can be guaranteed of one thing for sure. The place you're sitting in, whichever one you choose, is old. And the beer they serve is excellent. Thank you for listening to this episode of Prague Times. If you liked this episode, be sure to like it or share it and tell your friends. Check us out on all of our social media platforms for extra goodies as well. Until next time, this has been Prague Times.